I want to thank you guys for being here this morning and um, join me as we open in prayer. Father in heaven, oh, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you. The worship team has led us into your presence, and we are filled with your spirit. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak into our hearts, into our spirits, Lord God, the word that you've given me. Get me out of the way and everything I prepared. Um, if you want to say something different than you do, Lord, I just pray that you speak to each of us individually what you want us to hear. We love you, and we thank you so much, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message today is The Battle Belongs to the Lord, and we're going to be in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 20, if you want to turn in your Bibles to that. Um, this tells us about Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and how God uh, fought the enemies that came against the kingdom of Judah. It says that the Lord was with Je Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. And David was a king, you know who he was. Um, he was known for worshiping God. God said that he was a man after his own heart. Now David, he would um, go and complain to God and tell God all of his problems and say, you know, these people are against me, they're fighting against me, smite them, kill them, rip their eyes out. But God, you're awesome and I love you. And so he always went back to worshiping God. And Jehoshaphat was known for that, too, um, just like his father David. Jehoshaphat lived a lifestyle of worship. Um, and what that means is not just coming to church on Sunday and worshiping God. This was awesome and wonderful, but worship needs to be a part of our entire lives, not just on Sunday mornings. Um, now, I am not a singer. Brooke knows that. Me and Brooke used to harmonize, which neither of us can sing, so it was really bad. But um, <laughs> anyways, when we were in the car, that's how I like to um, torture my family when we, um, you know, be in the car. They're locked in. They can't get away from me. So, you know, I would sing the Flintstones theme song or whatever. I'm really good at that. I know the whole world, but you don't want me to do it. So anyways, um, so, but... Um, when I'm alone with God, you know, I go home sometimes on Friday nights if my husband's at work or something, and I just turn on my favorite worship album, and I sing, and I dance to the Lord, and it just reconnects me with him. It help, gets rid of all the work week, all the junk that's coming at me, and it just helps me to focus on God and remember how awesome he is. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was getting ready for work, and I just felt really grouchy and yucky, and you know how Normally, if you feel grouchy or you feel like really irritable and you think, well, I'm just grouchy today, so that's just how it is and everybody's going to have to put up with it. And that's how I normally feel. But <laughs> this morning, <laughs> I actually prayed and I was like, God, show me why I'm feeling like this because there really wasn't any reason for it. I just felt grouchy. And, um, you know, I just thought, well, work's been busy and stressful, so I have a reason to feel grouchy. But God just told me, I felt in my spirit, like, he said, worship it off of you. And so I was like, okay. And so when I was driving to work, I mean, I usually listen to worship music, but this time I really, instead of just listening to the music, I really worshiped God, and I was praying and just saying, Jesus, come and heal my heart and take this irritability off of me. What is it? You know, nobody else deserves to be treated badly just because I feel irritable. So I was just praying and worshiping. And when I got about halfway to work, there's a little bend on Truxton Avenue where I'll be worshiping and praying. And all of a sudden I start crying and I'm like, Jesus, I'm, you know, I'm driving, you know, I can't be crying while I'm driving. But Jesus just touched my heart and that irritability was lifted off of me. And I really feel that that's a way that God wants us to do that in all parts of our lives. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat received a report that a vast army was coming against him. 
The Moabites, the Ammonites, and even some of the Meonites were on their way, and he was alarmed by this news. But instead of gathering his other king friends and, you know, trying to gather support and, hey, you guys come with me, let's all go and fight these people that are coming against me, he gathered the people of Judah together, and they prayed and fasted together and asked God, what is it that you want us to do? So in verse 6, Jehoshaphat prayed with the people, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how, how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We know not what to do, but our eyes are on the, on the Lord. So when Jehoshaphat prayed, he reminded God of that he had driven out the inhabitants of the land before. He reminded God that, um, that he was a friend of Abraham and that they, the people of Judah, were the descendants of Abraham. Now, it's not like God forgets what he's done before. He knows what he's done. He knows everything we've ever done. But it's to remind us and keep our eyes on him when these battles come against us. There are things that come against us we have no control over. But when we are in an attitude of worship throughout our lives, that keeps our minds on him and our focus on him. Um, God's not going to take away the land of Judah or give them the land and that just so that some enemy can come in and steal it. You know, if God has provided for your finances before, he's going to do it again. You know, have any of you, can you just imagine or even think of a time when God didn't come through for you? You know, I used to have a real struggle with anxiety and depression, and it was something that I had to work through for a while, but um, God delivered me from it, and I truly believe that, but when I was still kind of going through it and kind of getting better, I felt like if I did feel depressed or if I did feel anxious about something, then I gave into it and said, okay, well, this is just how I feel. But you know what? God reminded me, no, I've already delivered you from that. And through these years, I mean, it's taken practice. It takes practice to learn how to live in, a, in an attitude of worship. But God has shown me that, no, I've been delivered from this. And so I just have to tell myself that, remind him of this, and pray to him and worship him. And I get through it so much faster now. I mean, I can say that I have not gone through a whole day's depression or anxiety if it comes upon me. It's just for a couple of minutes. It's not where, okay, now I'm anxious and now it's, I'm suffering from this again because I'm not. God has already, that's a, a battle the enemy wants to keep throwing at us, but it's gone. And so... Um, so what is your response to trouble? Do you believe that God will keep his promises? So like Jehoshaphat prayed in, in that verse, he said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so a lot of times we don't know what to do. If that unexpected bill comes or something like that, and our first, what's your first response? Is it to get upset and start, you know, oh, God, what am I going to do? And to call all your friends? Or are you going to go to God first and say, here, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you. 
That same morning, when God told me to worship off the irritability, when I got to work, there were people waiting for me. Um, I do have, I'm in human resources, so I have to do hiring, and there were two people waiting, and so I was like, great, and so then I had to have somebody else help me, and so it was just kind of stressful at first, but it was like, that's okay. And then my boss got to work, and she was, she had this look on her face, and she's like, well, when you're done, I need you to come and see me. I was like, oh, great, you know, and I, so then my mind's going like, what's going on here, you know, because she and I get along great, and we don't have any problems, you know, we're friends, and, but I could tell there was something going on, so I was just like thinking, oh, Lord, please, I don't know what's going on, so anyways, when I got into her office, she said, close the door, and I was like, oh, great, now I'm really in trouble, so I could just tell on her face something was wrong, but <laughs> it's like, close the door, uh-oh, so she started telling me what was going on, um, her boss had come in and kind of not yelled at her but told her about something that he was disappointed in us for not getting this project done that we're supposed to do I'm supposed to train people before they can start doing their job and the the report was that a whole bunch of people still needed training and I hadn't done it so I was just like wow I really thought I'd gotten that done but I've been so busy and I had all these excuses and I could see on her face that she was really upset and I wanted to I wanted to justify myself I wanted to make excuses but I just felt like no I'd heard the Holy Spirit say no you need to be quiet just be quiet and listen and so I did I just sat there and listened and I could think of all these excuses of I've been busy I've been doing this and I've been doing all these things for them so why are they complaining about one thing you know blah 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 but anyways I just stayed quiet I was like no God please 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 just help me so I just told her you know what I'll do whatever I can I'll go in my office make a list of whoever needs this training and I'll do it today I'll put everything else aside and I'll get it done you know if I hadn't been in worship that morning I would have just spouted my mouth off I would have come up with all my excuses as to why um, I couldn't have gotten it done, and I would have gotten really defensive because that's usually my first defense is to become defensive and make excuses for myself. But anyways, so I was quiet, and I just was like, okay. Um, so worshiping during the battle helps us to keep our focus on God and his power and might and not on the enemy. You know, um, after I left my boss's office, I went someplace quiet, and I prayed, and I asked God to help me through it. And then I texted Jill Hessler, and I said, Jill, will you please pray for me? I'm, there's a big attack at work. I didn't tell her what, what the details were, because you know how we like to go tell our friends what's going on, and, oh, this person was mean to me, and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, you poor thing. How could you, you know, how could they be mean to you, or whatever. And, but I didn't. I just told her I needed prayer. And so she texted me back in a few minutes, and she said, you know, she's, asked for a hedge of protection for God to help work out the details of this and so I was like okay I'm good now so um, I went um, I went back to work and you know it all worked out but when a battle comes we usually want to defend ourselves um, you know and just give everybody the details so that we can gather that support around us but you know what God did take care of the problem I went back to my office to see who hadn't been trained yet and all this stuff, and I found that there was only one person who hadn't been trained, and so I went and talked to my boss, and she was like, what, just one person, this whole big deal about one person, and so, but what had happened is that um, somebody had complained to their boss that their person hadn't been trained, but they made it sound like everybody wasn't getting trained, and then they went to their boss, they went to their boss, who's the big boss, and then he yelled at my boss, and then she stood on it all night, and then so I got it the next morning, and so, but if I would have gotten defensive and started arguing, that could have really ruined our relationship, and it could have messed things up for, uh, for my boss and I. Um, it didn't take very long before she realized that I really wasn't being neglectful in my duties, and she understood what had been going on, and everything worked out. I mean, God worked it out. I didn't have to defend myself, and I didn't have to fight for myself in that situation.
In verse 14 and 15, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. So don't you think that some of them were still afraid? I mean, there's this vast army coming against him, against them. Um, but he said, you know, filled with the spirit, he said, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And sometimes we have these battles that come against us that we don't have control over, and we cannot do anything about it, but we have to give it to God. Um, they didn't shrink back in fear from their enemies. God told them to take up their positions, to stand firm, and see the deliverance that he would bring. Um, you know, Joyce Meyer always says, do it afraid. And when you are called to do something and God puts something in front of you, or even the enemy puts something in front of you, you need to keep going in the direction that God told you to go. Um, so in verses 16 and 17, Jehaziel said, Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out, face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So if you notice, he didn't say, you know what, just sit here and wait, and then God will take care of it. You know, you'll, um, God will take care of this battle. So you just sit here and don't do anything. No, he told them that they would not have to fight against or th they would not have to fight this battle, but they still had to march out and go towards the battle. So God fights the battle for us when we're obedient to do what he tells us to do. So do you trust God to fight the battle? Uh, Jehoshaphat did. Starting in verse 18, Je Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites, Kohathites Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And that reminded me of that song we were singing. Um, what was the hallelujah song? And it's like, I'm going to sing loud. I am going to shout a loud hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And so they did. They stood up. They praised the Lord with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the de desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they, begin to, as they began to sing praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon, of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Now, I mean, they were going out to fight against Judah, and they ended up destroying each other. So how is that but with God? You know, they were going out as an army together to fight against Judah, but God protected them, confused them, and they killed each other. <laughs> and so um, what really got me in this whole story, though, um, when I started reading this, is that um, Jehoshaphat set the worshipers in front of the army worshiping God. Now, I don't, I don't 
know much about war. I'm not an ex expert at that, but like I would probably put like really strong guys that were out there to beat somebody up, you know? <laughs> I mean, I would not put worshipers out there. I wouldn't even think of that. But you know what? That's what he did, and that's a good example to us to put worship in front of everything else, to put the worship in front of our battles. Um, before we start fighting in our own, we need to put God first and worship him. They thanked God, and they gave him praise as they marched out to the battle, trusting that God was going to go before them. I mean, I think that is just so cool. God made the enemies fight each other and destroy themselves. So how awesome is that? I mean, that God can take care of that. Jehoshaphat and the people praised and worshiped the Lord before, during, and after the battle. Worshiping God before the battle softens our hearts and helps us to hear God's voice and th then to trust him when the battle comes, whether it's that unexpected bill or it's the um, getting laid off from your job or it's a spouse who's not treating you the way that you want. You know, some of those things we can't control, but God will put, um, God will take care of that and that prepares our hearts to be in tune with him. And then um, worshiping God during the battle helps us to keep our focus on God and his power and might and not on the enemy. And then finally, praising and worshiping God after the battle is one keeps us humble and helps us remember where our help comes from. So it says, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praise the Lord. That is why, this is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for God had given him rest on every side. So when I, um, after that whole day of at work when, you know, my boss and I had gotten in that thing and I had texted Jill and I didn't share with her what was exactly going on. I just asked her to pray for me. Later that day on the way home, I called her so that I could share the good news with her. I could share my rejoicing story that God had worked it all out and to thank her for her prayers. And as I just told her about what had been going on and everything, like it was just so awesome. And so, you know, after God delivers you through this battle, sometimes he's not going to take you out of the battle, but he will be with you through the battle. Um, give him thanks for that. Share what God has done to, for you with others. That just brings such release for other people. When we share our testimonies and our stories, you know, I mean, it gives freedom to other people and brings freedom. And so I'd like to ask the worship team to come back up, and we're going to have one more song, and then I just have a little bit more. But this morning when I was, um, I was praying, and all of a sudden Psalms, or Isaiah 61 popped into my head, and um, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor 
and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, um, they're going to sing this song, um, Surrounded, which I always thought was called This is How We Fight Our Battles. But I didn't, when we, I, we first started singing that song here in church, they would just keep saying, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles. And I was like, well, what do they mean? But that's what God has shown me through, um, through this study is this is how we fight our battles through worshiping God. 